Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to Impact Cyber Church. I've got a question for you, and it may even sound like kind of a, a foolish question or that I'm trying to be uh, smooth or slick here, but, you know, it, it's just really this simple. Do you want to know God better than you know Him now? Now, I'm not implying that a person has to have a bad relationship with God to want to know them better. You know, I was thinking, I was thinking this weekend, you know, Brenda and I have been married almost 40 years, and... Uh, uh, and I was just thinking all the things that even after all these years, we still don't fully understand about each other. Now, we've got a great marriage. We're, you know, we're deeply in love. And so it's not about there being a problem. It's about, do I want to go deeper in this relationship? So that's, that's what I'm asking you. Do you want to go deeper in your relationship with God? Because if you do, now, I'm telling you what I'm going to be sharing with you this month is going to be so incredibly beneficial and it's going to equip you for it. Now, we're still offering my series, Being the Wisdom of God, because what I'm going to be sharing this month is all supported by that series. And again, in that series, there's hours and hours and hours of teaching, but I want to give you some support material, some other material that goes along with this. That, that helps you understand what it really means to be the wisdom of God. Not just know the wisdom of God, not just be able to do the wisdom of God, not just be able to get the wisdom of God, but to be the wisdom of God. And in reality, one of the things you've always got to remember is this. Jesus said, this is life. And remember, that Greek word for life is the word zoe. And that word zoe uh, speaks of the quality of life possessed by the one who gives it. And so Jesus said, I've come that you might have the quality of life that I possess and that you might have it to its fullest. So the reality of it is we're supposed to be living life with the same peace, the same joy, the same anointing, the same uh, everything, the same wisdom, the same insight, uh, the same connection with God that Jesus himself had because that's quality of life. But we often separate that verse from another verse where he says, and this is life. This is the quality of life that I possess. He says, it's to know God. And that word know is experiential knowledge where you know something because you are experiencing it as, the, as your reality. This is the quality of life to experience God and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. So everything that we want in God, it doesn't matter if it's, if it's a, you know, an individual thing like a miracle or a healing or some supernatural event. Everything that we want in God is really a byproduct of knowing and experiencing God intimately. And you guys know, if you've followed my teaching very long, you know that, that you know, I, while I've, I've seen every miracle in the New Testament, many of them hundreds of times. I've seen cripples walk. I've seen blind eyes open, seen deaf ears open, seen lepers healed. I mean, you name it, I've pretty much seen it. Uh, uh, but, the, but none of that 
is, is a substitute for knowing, experiencing God intimately and personally. But sadly, because of what religion has taught us, especially for the last 50 or 60 years, we somehow think that experiencing a miracle from God, experiencing some of these what we call supernatural phenomena, are in fact going to be the key to us having the quality of life that we want. And I'm telling you something, nothing is further from the truth. Now, I'm going to take you on a journey, and we've talked about this before, but it's so important that you get rooted in this. Israel, according to the Apostle Paul, Israel, the nation of Israel, is a model that we are told that we should look at in order to understand God, understand His ways, and even understand ourselves. You see, the nation of Israel is a type uh, from beginning to end, it is a type of what the life of an individual believer looks like and what happens uh, in our interactions with God and with the world around us. So, you know, we always go to Israel if we want to understand this journey that we're making, the journey of coming out of Egypt, crossing the Red Sea, going to Mount Sinai, um, uh, journeying through the wilderness, crossing the Jordan, coming in to the land of Canaan, and then living in the kingdom. That, that, is, that is the picture of, of the Christian life. And that is the journey that we're going to make. Now, here's the thing. You can learn from your own failures, from your own foolishness, from your own mistakes, or you can look at the nation of Israel and you can seek to understand their failures and their mistakes. And you can understand, I don't want to do that. I don't want to duplicate that. You know, I've, I've, I've told my kids, I've told a lot of my friends this, story, this before, but when uh, the, the second church I was ever uh, a part of, and it was the first, quote, quote, spirit-filled church that, I, that I'd ever been a part of, the pastor in that church, his behavior pattern was almost identical to mine. And I used to sit in that congregation and when he would make a decision or the way he would handle something, I'd be sitting there thinking, oh yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's exactly how I would do it. In other words, it's bound to be right because, you know, that's how I would do it. And, uh, and so, you know, I would be feeling all good about myself because I'd be thinking, man, me and this guy are on the same track. He's a man of God, da, 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 da. And then I would watch the fallout from some of his decisions and it would be horrible. And I would be thinking, man, alive, if, if, see, if I was him, I would have made that same decision and I would be going through all this unnecessary stress and pressure that he's going through. So I learned very early that watching other people, not judging them and not, this is, I'm not watching them to evaluate their spirituality. I'm watching them to learn that watching other people, especially people who think a lot like I do, when I watch them, I can avoid all kinds of mistakes. I can avoid pain and catastrophe. Well, I'll tell you something. For all of us, no matter what our behavior pattern is, we can look at the nation of Israel and we can get the general factors about walking with God, about God's plan for our life. And so, and so you know, I don't want to learn things the hard way. Only fools learn things the hard way. That's why the Bible says stripes are for the backs of a fool. Because a fool is someone who will not learn by instruction. A fool only learns 
by consequences. He's not saying go out and put stripes on the backs of fools. He's just saying that's the only way that fools can learn. So, so uh, if we learn from Israel's mistakes, then we do not have to have to make those same mistakes. Let me give you an example. When Israel entered into the promised land, and the promised land, the land of Canaan, is a type of living in what Jesus called the kingdom of God. It is entering into this realm where we surrender to the rule of God and we enjoy these provisions that, that didn't come about by our labors. And so when Israel went into the promised land, if you look at the book of Judges, you see this, con this repeated cycle of Israel, uh, you know, seeking God, being connected to God. Life is going great. They're prospering. They're, they're, they're winning battles over, you know, again, over their enemies. And then things get good. They get complacent. They begin to get less diligent about their relationship with God and they begin to they begin to cool off and get get less and less and less and less committed and and then suddenly things start going wrong in their nation and then the next thing you know they're being oppressed by some some wicked nation and they're oppressed and they're oppressed and they're oppressed and finally they're sick of being oppressed so they turn back to God and they repeat that cycle over and over again well if you look at the very last verse in the book of Judges, or right at the last verse, it says, and every man did that which was right in his own eyes. So I understand that if I want to go through this cycle of, okay, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. I get complacent, I get complacent, life gets easy. I start kind of cooling off and backsliding a little bit. And then bam, I'm caught in some kind of trap and I'm there until I reconnect to God at a heart level. If I want to do that, then the quickest way for that to happen is to do what's right in my own eyes instead of trusting God's wisdom that he has given me to teach me how to have life at its very best. Now, I want you to understand something. In looking at the nation of Israel, you understand God's desire for every single believer, not just for some believers, not just for the believers who do right and be right and, and never make mistakes. God's intention, God's desire for every believer is to bring us into the kingdom, the kingdom life. And as I've told you so many times, the concept of the kingdom of God is when we enter into a realm where we are surrendered to Jesus as Lord, where we're building our life on his teaching, on his word, on his model, on his example. And, you know, we don't just want to know what he knew. We want to live like he lived. And so that's, that's the concept of the kingdom of God. But the, the kingdom of heaven represents all of the resources that are available to us in this realm. That's why Jesus said, I have come that you might have the quality of life that I possess, that you might have it abundantly or to its fullest. That is God's desire for everyone. Now, now, you know as well as I know that religion has messed that up. Religion has twisted that. Religion has has really led most of the world to believe God wants you to suffer and that suffering is somehow going to purify you and suffering is going to, going to make you holy and all that kind of stuff. I got news for you. Uh, none of that's true. Suffering, 
might get you so desperate that you turn back to God and you start walking in his ways and trusting him because you finally realize he's smarter than you. But it's not the suffering that benefits you. It's the fact that you turn your heart back fully to God when you find yourself out there uh, facing all of these hardships, facing all these things. So, you know, in ministering to people, as many of you know, you know, I have a lot of experience in, in the area of, of health. I had a clinic for a lot of years. I have, a, I have an earned doctor's degree in alternative medicine. And, uh, and I've done a lot of experimentation, a lot of study, a lot of research, and a lot of developing of protocols to help people with, with health issues. And one of the things that I always tell people when I'm working with them is the first law of, of being healthy is stop killing yourself. Stop doing the things that make you weak. Stop doing the things that make you tired. Stop doing the things that make you weak. Stop doing the things that make you sick. You know, if there's something that you eat at night that every time you eat this, you, you don't sleep well and you get up the next day feeling bad, you know, you could try to patch that up by drinking a bunch of caffeine or, or, or whatever you do to, to stimulate your body. Or here's an idea. You can just stop eating that at night. Or, you know, <laughs> you know, we love Mexican food and my whole family does. And every now and then we'll all get together for lunch on a, on a work day and, and we'll, we'll go pick up some Mexican food and we all sit around and we'll eat Mexican food for lunch. And then after lunch, we're all sitting there saying, man, I don't feel like doing anything now. Well, you know, you know what the cure for that is? Don't eat Mexican food for lunch, or at least not my family, because we get fatigued, we get tired, we get sleepy when we eat it, you know? And, and so, you know, we've got to stop stepping on the landmines. Most of our life is really just like the book of Joshua, where we are constantly doing what is right in our own eyes. And when we start facing the consequences, we're, we're going to do one of two things. And the book of Proverbs warns that, uh, that the foolish person will... He'll, he'll do what's right in his own eyes. He'll act foolishly. And then in his heart, he's going to fret against God or he's going to blame God or hold God accountable for his actions. Well, you know, because of the goofy doctrines that are taught that God's in control of every single thing that happens in your life, everything that happens, he makes happen. Well, I got news for you. That's not true. That, that is not borne out anywhere in the Bible. And, but because people have been taught that, then for so many people, when we live in foolishness and we start suffering the consequences, a lot of people just give up on God. A lot of people just get mad at God. It's like, why do you keep letting this happen to me? Well, you know, if we could hear God, he'd say, well, why don't you keep eating that for lunch? Or why do you keep doing this same thing, expecting some kind of a different result? In order to arrive at this place of kingdom living, we don't need to do anything to compel God. We don't really need, we don't even need to know God's plan for how we're going to get there. It's his plan. And all we've got to really do is stay connected intimately to him and follow him as he leads. Like I said, instead of trying to find ways to make it happen, we just need to develop our heart, our mind, our attitudes to just let it happen because we're living in harmony with God. That, that's just so incredibly amazing. Now, back to what I said at the beginning. The answer for everything. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. You know, at, at one point, he, he said to uh, uh, actually some people who, who were seeking to follow him, he said, 
you search the scriptures, trying to find scriptures about me. In other words, about the Messiah. You want all of this information about the Messiah. He says, but you won't come to me so that I can give you life. That's kind of where we are as the church, you know. We want information. We want more knowledge. We want more things to talk about. We want more doctrines to trust in. But honestly, uh, maybe the, the people that are actually pursuing intimate connection with him is a lot less than the people who are pursuing the knowledge, who are pursuing the, the information. So the answer for everything lies in personal, intimate, biblically-based trust and obedience to God. And yes, I said obedience. I'm telling you what, in today's world, you know, in this politically correct world, it's amazing how, you know, Christian correctness, political Christian correctness has invaded the church. I'm telling you, there are places today that if you talk about obedience, people lose their minds and accuse you of being a legalist or accuse you of being in bondage. Let me tell you something. Uh, obedience is incredibly important. Now, listen, I'm, I'm, all of this is an introduction to where we're going in this, in this message today. It may take us two, two weeks to get there, but this is where we're going on wisdom and the ways of God. Uh, Oh, you know, obedience is, is, is real simple. When you're a child, your parent tells you things to protect you. And when you are a child, you know, the Apostle Paul said, you know, when I was a child, I spoke as a child, I thought, away, I thought I was a child, but now I put away childish things. Well, one of the childish things we need to put away is our, uh, our selfish, carnal concepts of obedience because obedience comes from trust. Obedience isn't to earn anything. And a child who trusts their parent or, or, or anybody who trusts somebody else who knows that that other person loves them dearly and is seeking to protect him never begrudges being obedient because they always know that even if I don't understand it, it is for my good. You know, I, I tell this story often about one time, one time when one of my kids, you know, was a teenager, uh, I just happened to be standing where I could hear her talking to one of her friends. And she started telling this story about how, man, I had gotten on to her and I was unreasonable and I was, yeah, 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 yeah. And, and you know, she was just telling how horrible I was for no reason at all. And uh, I, so I just let her tell her story. And then I walked in. I said, you know, there's one part of that story you forgot. You forgot the part where I caught you sneaking out of the house. Now, children get mad when they don't get to do what they want to do. And they look at their parents and they're, they're like, you just don't want me to have fun. No, the truth is, I just don't want you to get killed. I don't want you to get hurt. I don't want you to get molested. I don't, you know, I, I want you to be happy and healthy and whole. And you're so immature, you don't understand that. You know, you don't, you don't understand that everything is for your good. Well, I got news for you. See, that's why the Apostle John, in the book of 1 John, where he's talking all about knowing the love of God, experiencing the love of God, believing the love of God, to that person who knows and believes the love of God, he says, none of his commandments 
are burdensome. Nothing, nothing he ever tells us is burdensome. Now to the legalist, the person that's trying to earn righteousness, earn favor with God, to that person, yeah, it's a burden because man, they're keeping a checklist of do's and don'ts and they're, and they're trying to balance you know, the do's and the don'ts. Well, if we trust God and we believe that He is, as the Word of God says He is, then, then the real truth is we always know that He is trying to bring us into the life, the best possible life we can have. He's always trying to bring us into the kingdom realm. Now in my series, Being the Wisdom of God, you know, I talk about knowledge and, and wisdom and, and all of these other factors. And I want you to understand something. See, knowledge is not evil in and of itself. It's just limiting. Because knowledge shows us what to do. But it doesn't really show us how to do it or why to do it. Now, understanding brings us into the larger picture and starts seeing all of the possibilities and creating the awareness that things can go good or things can go bad or good or bad you know, possibilities or outcomes. But then wisdom shows me how to apply knowledge. Wisdom shows me how to do, how to put this into practice in a way that the outcome is good. And then love always shows me why to do it. So, so knowledge tells me what to do. Understanding helps me understand, helps me realize that there are possibilities, good and bad possibilities, good and bad outcomes, which tells me I need wisdom. And then wisdom tells me how to do it, how to put this in practice. And very specifically, the wisdom of God shows me how to put this into practice. So at the end, I am kingdom living. At the end, I'm enjoying the abundant life. At the end, I am enjoying this divine connection, this love relationship with God. My, my heart does not condemn me. And then love shows me why to do it. Why would I even do this this way? Well, the Bible tells us that love is the bond of perfection. Colossians 3, 14 says this, But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful, and let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Man, alive us up. Now, when you see the word perfected, or the word completed in the New Testament, almost always that is a concept, or sometimes even the word fulfilled, that's always a concept of something reaching the intended goal. See, when a scripture is fulfilled, it doesn't mean it's done away with. When a scripture is fulfilled, it means it has reached its God's ultimate intention. Whenever, you know, whenever we apply a particular truth, if we apply that truth without wisdom, we may not reach God's particular destination. We may not end up in peace. We may not end up in kingdom living. We may not end up with the best quality of life that we could ever possibly have. We might end up losing friends. We might end up in conflict. And then we're mad because like, well, I did what the Bible said. Well, you haven't really done what the Bible says unless your attitude is, I want to I, I do it 
the way God says, and I want to do it for the exact same reasons that, that God wants me to do it. So we started out talking about, do you want to know God? You see, there are those who seek God, and there are those who seek God's deeds or God's actions. And that's why I started this series last month and called the very first message in this, whatever one needs and no one really wants. You see, after nearly a half century of walking with God and ministering to people, I've seen that people who want a quick fix seldom ever remain stable. People who just want what they can get from God, but are really not in pursuit of a relationship. These people do not remain stable and, and really lack gratitude, which is one of the most healthy aspects that you can have of life. You see, any, anywhere you don't have gratitude, then you generally have entitlement. And an entitlement says, you owed this to me. Entitlement says, I, you know, I deserve this. Entitlement says, you are obligated you know, to do this for me. I tell you, entitlement is what's destroying the millennials. Uh, entitlement is what's destroying our nation right now. And by the way, many of the governments in the past that have, have implemented certain programs that they said were seeking to help people were not seeking to help people at all. They were seeking to create a bunch of codependent people who felt entitled so that they could control those people. Now, there's a lot of ways that we try to get the quick fix. And like I say, you know, I, I want healing, but, but I don't want, want to follow God's wisdom for a healthy life. I want deliverance, but I'm not going to stop doing the things that get me trapped. I, I want a formula or a doctrine that ensures that I'm going to get what I want, but I have no intention of really walking with God. See, one of the things we're going to learn next week, we're going to see the relationship between miracles and faith and we're going to see the relationship and we're going to see the distinction between people who want it to know God and people who just want it to know or experience what God had to offer, his benefits, his miracles. Now, here's, here's the great thing. It's not always either or. Now, those people who just want to experience what God has to offer, they'll probably never come to know God and they'll struggle all their lives and they'll be like the children of Israel who wandered in the wilderness and lived from miracle to miracle to miracle, but never really entered the promised land. But those who want to know the ways of God, who want to know God personally, guess what? They get to know God personally, they get to experience the miracles and they get to live in the promised land. You know something? Impact Ministries is all over the world, reaching people, helping people, starting Bible schools, training leaders. We are in the process of reaching and developing one billion disciples around the world. I would love for you to help me do this. If you go to my website, impactministries.com, check out Operation One Billion, you may want to become a part of that and help us do this because we are going to reach and develop one billion disciples. If you're wanting to dive in and, and studies in this, go to impactministries.com and you can, you can and get the series, be in the wisdom of God. You can download it and you can start this tonight and be watching this, uh, listening to this as you're watching these broadcasts and participating in these broadcasts over the coming weeks. But I'm going to tell you something, we're going to make this journey together. I'm going to invest in you. I'm going to do everything I can to help you uh, connect with the quality of life that Jesus has. 
And also, don't forget, third weekend in October, we've got Heart Physics Weekend coming up. Be sure and check it out. I'll be talking to you again next week. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com, with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.